Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. Good evening to you, Blog Talk Radio listeners. You have joined in with my sister, my friend, tonight. It's an internet uh, broadcast show sponsored by Granny's Place, better known as DP Ministries. We want to thank you tonight for listening in. Boy, we have a topic tonight that we hope that all of the ladies in the listening audience will get their ears to the phones or to the computer and listen in tonight because we have a good topic for the summer, for the beginning of summer. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, rape, crisis, and prevention. And we're going to talk with... um, Carol Reed tonight, who has been a volunteer for the Rape Crisis Center, and she's going to tell us all about it uh, because we feel like this is information that you need to know, that you need to be aware of, because statistics are showing that most rapes happen during the summertime when we're all out being leisure and looking good and wearing our little short shorts and looking enticing. So we need to know about this tonight. So listen in and get ready to call in to uh, 310-982-4126 with your questions or comments. Again, that number is going to be 310-982-4126. Now, Carol, would you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little about your journey through the Rape Crisis Center? Sure, sure. Uh, good evening, everyone. Good evening to all my sisters on the panel. Uh, good evening, everyone in the listening audience. Uh, this is my sister, Latonja mentioned. I was uh, was a victim, what we call a victim's advocate, uh, volunteer, volunteer advocate for uh, a what we what a place called the Turning Point Rape Crisis Center in Plano, Texas. And um, let me tell you a little bit about what a victim's advocate or a volunteer rape crisis uh, volunteer uh, gets into when they sign up for this, just in case you're interested. Um, I wanted to, um, you know, just get into one more thing that I thought that would help someone in dire need. And uh, it's not for everybody, you know, but it was a calling on me, so I did it. But uh, when I signed up to be a victim's advocate, for what we call rape survivors. Um, we don't necessarily use the word victim. We try to be more empowering about the women who survive rape, so we call them rape survivors. Uh, I started my journey uh, with it's, it's very extensive in the training for this because it is a very critical and very important um, role to play in the lives of women who have suffered at the hands of a rapist. So my training involved about eight weeks training, um, uh, doing this type of volunteer work. Um, I started out on the 1-800 number, and, you know, as all the rape crisis number is a 1-800 rape crisis number for all across the country for most uh, states in the U.S. And um, on the 800 line, um, I could be on, on that 1-800 number for, you know, a set amount of hours, and I would take phone calls from uh, rape survivors. Uh, I would take phone calls from husbands, wives, or boyfriends, or of rape survivors, I would uh, answer from, uh, information about people who wanted to inquire about services or things that can help those who are rape survivors, family members of rape survivors, and things of that nature, and people who aren't clear necessarily on what exactly uh, does rape entail. Uh, I got uh, phone calls from women who on the anniversary of their rape because it's something that you live with forever, and uh, even though you move on, uh, it's not something you forget, and they just want to talk to somebody, get some supportive conversation going about, uh, you know, them surviving their their ordeal. Uh, I've talked to a boyfriend who called who wanted to know why his current girlfriend was kind of going through a withdrawal period around this time of the anniversary of her experience, and I talk to him through some things about how he would handle her in that situation and family members. I even talked to a wife who had a question as to is there such thing as can a husband uh, rape his wife? And I explained to her what a lot of people don't know there is such thing as spousal rape. And so we went over that information. Uh, when, from there I did that, um, I want to say six months close to a year, and then I took the plunge and decided I was going to go become a rape victim's rape advocate on call, and that involves going on. That would be me, the person who's on call from 
say Friday, 5 o'clock in the evening to Sunday, 12 o'clock at night. And what that involved is a rape call would come in, and normally the hospital or the police or um, some, or, or usually those two entities would contact the rape crisis center. From there, I we were equipped with a cell phone from the rape crisis center and what we call a victim's uh, um, a rape a rape a rape bag for that has everything in there that we need. That bag was a actually a pretty good size um, 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 rolling um, um, a duffel bag, and in that bag were all of the forms for the rape crisis center that I uh, collected information. All all information collected from the victim is confidential, and in fact, so confidential she doesn't have to use her name. Um, so I actually had that information in there. I had what they call a victim's compensation packet. A lot of people don't know that when a victim, a rape victim is, um, when a rape a young woman or man or whomever is victimized, that the state of Texas orders the rapist to pay compensation, restitution back to their victim. They are also, um, you know, recover everything that we need in terms of taking the victim's clothes if we have to keep those for evidence. And um, also um, the state offers various benefits uh, for the victim to help her progress along the way long term in, as, a, as a result of her rape. And so all that information that are also included in that rape bag would be three different sizes of donated brand-new um, sweatshirts and sweatpants. Um, underwear, um, we put bags together of to- donated toothbrush, hair combs, things of that nature, so that um, during the rape kit pro- uh, process, a lot of times the inform- all of this, their stuff is collected off of them. Their clothing is collected and kept, and so we have to we provide something for them to wear out of the hospital. Uh, we have uh, flip flops or little um, shoes that are socks, clean socks, and things like that that they can wear away from the hospital. Uh, upon the completion of the whole rape kit process. Um, so what I would do is arrive at the hospital on that bag. They would give me all my information. they tell me who I'm coming to see, their age, what hospital. And, yes, that would involve getting up. And one night I had to at 4 a.m. in the morning. It was one of them playing those cold, coldest nights. I think it was maybe 20-something degrees outside, ice and cold, and make my way to the hospital. Um, and so getting there, they're, um, out here in Plano, we have some areas that have a whole area that's kind of sectioned off from everybody else. And I arrive in the room uh, upon, you know, coming into the room where the young lady is. I identified myself as a victim's advocate and what I was there to do and they're there to support her. The first thing we do with victims, um, survivors, is to, you know, if they allow us to, and we do whatever they allow us to, because the whole thing about rape is, for rapists, is, it's not so much the sexual act, it's the power thing that they like to take, have over a woman. And so the woman's power has been taken from her. So our first and most immediate thing that we like to do is to give that individual their power back. And so my job is to come in and comfort her as much as I can, explain the process of what's going to take place, and go away. <laughs> Sorry, what's going to take place and uh, explain to them what the rape process um, involves, rape kit process involves, and uh, tell them all the things that they need to know. And once the first thing out of my mouth is that I tell her that it is not her fault because that's the fact. People, women tend to blame themselves right off the bat for allowing what happened to them to happen. And the reality is that a rapist has an agenda that has nothing to do with what a woman did where she was, what she had on, has nothing to do with that. And yet in our minds, and in other people's minds, our family members, our boyfriends, our husbands, they think the same thing. Where were you and what were you doing that side of town and where were you going? I mean, the reality for us, you know, we're Americans and we have the we should have the liberty to walk and go wherever we please. But, you know, that's not the case because women are preyed upon in this society. And uh, so, you know, I come to her and I tell her, it's not your fault what happened to you. And so you don't, we're not going to, you know, we're going to press forward. And I let her know that I'm there to help her in any way I can. If she wants me there during the rape um, kit evaluation, then we will do that. If not, I can easily stand outside the room and then do I need to uh, so I do. I actually wear a lot of hats. I, if the police are there, most times if they're guys, and they have some uh, sensitive training for that some places, but in most cases if the cop doesn't feel comfortable with it or the woman doesn't want the male cop in there, they say can't 
you know, Carol, can you help fill out the rest of her information and getting the story? And I'm going to find and I will help fill that out. Um, so I work with the law enforcement. I, the, we have what they call, who the person who does the rape kit process is called a SANE nurse, sexual assault nurse examiner. And she is a nurse who goes and gets specific training to correct, to collect uh, physical evidence off of a survivor's body um, to for use in court when uh, going to prosecute the rapist. So it, it it's a very uh, long and tedious process at times, and it can be it can, there are parts of it that are very very uncomfortable because we do have to collect different types of hair sample for every parts of the body. And so it can be, uh, uh, you know, something that really after you've been through that experience, you have to now get yourself ready for that. But we get them through it as best we can. I sit there, I hold her hands, we talk about different things, and, you know, just try to let her know that she's okay and, yes, her power, that she is empowered at this moment to make any decision she wants. Um, at the completion of the, uh, as she's taken care of inside of the uh, the examination room, if there's her, their parents or boyfriends or husbands or anyone who's arrived outside, I will then take time to step out of the um the uh, examination room and have a conversation with them. I have pamphlets and information about how the victim, the survivor can go and receive. And this is stuff that I've already you know, explained to her. She can go and receive anonymously uh, counseling services uh, for her experience for as long as she needs with at no charge. Um, I let them know, and I get them know how you, to deal with taking a rape survivor home. One thing, again, that's most important is to empower her. She has taken her power away from her. She has been violated in the worst way possible any woman can experience. And so you don't want to get her there and say, well, what were you doing? And make her feel even victimized yet again. What were you doing? What were you wearing? Why were you there? You should have known better. And, 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 or demise, and if she wants to cry, let her cry. If she doesn't want to talk about it, don't talk, leave her alone. No, she doesn't want to talk about it. Don't make, don't force her to talk about it. If she wants to, if she gets, she's going to go through that sadness, angry thing, and allow her to feel whatever that she needs to feel and whatever makes her feel comfortable because she's already gone through enough. And at the end of the day, it is not about you. It is about the rape survivor. So we get that kind of information cleared. I give them their paperwork to let them know that here's some things for you all to read so that you can be a good support system for her when she gets home. Um Basically, um, when I'm done there, I'm pretty much done. She, uh, a lot of them want to know if I'm going to be at the Rape Crisis Center where them, and I'm usually not. I'm usually complete there. I'll stay as long as I need to uh, to see that that young woman or, or whomever done. Uh, toward the end of my tenure with the Turning Point Rape Crisis Center, uh, they added children on uh, from the Plano Children's Advocacy Center. That was a different kind of animal. Like that, that's that. Requires requires a little bit more uh, gumption, if you will, um, because you're dealing with children. Uh, a lot of emotion, uh, very, um, very, um, it's, it's a very touchy um, predicament for everyone involved. Uh, the nursing staff or the medical people are, 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 are up in arms. Uh, the parent or is up in arms. The law enforcement is definitely up in arms. And so when you get into that situation, and plus when they're extremely young, I think I had a baby that was, uh, I want to say, five years old, um, and it got real, you know, it, you really have to try to keep uh, everyone as calm as possible in instances like this. And so, you know, in this case, I'm – since the child won't understand a lot of what's about to happen, I have to explain that to the parent. That would also involve getting the parent to calm down so that we can talk about how we're going to get through the process for the baby. And so we do that, and we explain to her what the rape crisis is going to involve. And the parent will have to, you know, they'll stay in there and help us get the baby through or the child through the situ- through the situation. Um, and so we take care of that. 
And so that's kind of what uh, being a victim's advocate uh, uh, for women who have, or men or children who have been victimized. Uh, statistics, uh, I guess, usually are one out of every six American women have been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. Um, 17.7 million American women have been victims of attempted or completed rape. Nine out of every ten rape victims were female or are female. In the lifetime of women, uh, all women, 17.6% in our country, white women, 17.7%, black women, 18.8%, Asian Pacific Islander women, 68 American Indian women, 34.1%. And we can get into that about American Indian and Alaskan women and uh, mixed-race women, 24.4%. Uh, men hold about 3% of American men, or one in 33, have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. So in 2003, one in every 10 rape victims were male. Um, So 2.78 million million men in the U.S. have been victims of sexual assault or rape. Um, With children, uh, 15% of sexual assault and rape victims are under age 12. Uh, 29% are age 12 through 17. 44% are under the age of 18. 80% 80% are under the age of 30, and 12 to 34 are their highest risk years. Girls ages 16 and 19 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of rape, attempted rape, or sexual assault. Uh, so that's kind of how that goes. Um, and 93% of juvenile sexual assault victims know their attacker. We do have what we call acquaintance rape and stranger rape. And you tend to see more people, again, 93% of people who know their attacker versus, you know, stranger rape. So 34.2% of attackers were family members, 58.7% were acquaintances, and only 7% of the perpetrators were strangers to the victim. That's for juveniles. So um, a lot of, uh, and a lot, most of my cases that I went out on uh, were acquaintance, and then there were those that were strangers. Stranger uh, rapes tend to um, be a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word I want to say, uh, a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit more violent at times, Um so that's the kind of the effects of rape. Three times more likely to suffer from depression. Victims of sexual assault are three times more likely to suffer from depression. Six times more likely to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Thirteen times more likely to abuse alcohol. Twenty-six more times more likely to abuse drugs. And four times more likely to contemplate suicide. And so those are some of the, the, the stats. And uh, with that, I'm ready to take any questions you might have. Okay. Well, I was uh, have a question for you. A few questions, um, audience. You can give me a call at three one zero nine eight two four one two six for your questions or comments. Um, I see we have a new caller on the line. After I ask my question, you will be free to ask your question. Uh, the person at the six three three five extension. But um, Carol, I was wondering. You said that. Um, Men are victim of rape, and you say one in every ten. Is that what you said? In terms, uh, with men, it's it is one in thirty-three, and we're one talking about not rape inside of the prison system for sure. <laughs> we're okay. talking about those who are out here in the general public, and we're talking on a nationwide um, basis. Okay. Uh, on that fact, are they uh, like held at gunpoint, or are they held at knife point, or how how does a how, how does a man get raped? That's my question. What have been some of the scenarios that you've heard about that? Uh, most times with um, uh, with men who have been raped, again, it is a lot based, it's usually like acquaintance. And the funny thing about rape, and I'll tell you why the statistics are sometimes looked at sideways, because men don't report rapes. It is a thing where cops are getting some sensitivity training on this, but normally they don't really take seriously when a man reports a rape, in particularly if a woman rapes him, and everybody acts like that that can't happen, but it does. But a lot of times uh, the rape is usually, uh, acquaintance rape is usually comes from a male on male. 
if you will. Uh, and that's not all the time, but that may be more to the point. Whereas if they're raped by women, you know, you can imagine calling police officers, in, which are mostly male, and telling them that a woman raped you. But <laughs> it has happened, and it does happen. But, again, most rapes by men are not reported. Um, you might have some that may call and tell one hundred number unanimously, and nobody will ever know that. But they they never report. They're very they're not subject to report their rapes. They don't think they're they're very they're too embarrassed. It's a insult to their manhood, and they don't think they'll be believed. But oftentimes, um, again, it's acquaintance. It's usually you know male on male, and uh, with women it. Does happen. I read an article actually not too long ago where two women raped a male at gunpoint. Answer question. Okay. All right. My next question is spousal rape. Um, you mm-hmm. said that there there is a such thing as spousal rape. How do they uh, determine that it wasn't consensual or um, just make the case for a spousal rape? Uh, spousal rape, because there is a law that says, I mean, we can look at that. I mean, some people may question that because from the Bible it says we're usually supposed to, you know, uh, um, uh, accommodate our husbands whenever unless he's fasting and praying. But in this sense, in the terms of the laws of the land, spousal rape involves when the wife is not consenting to have intercourse with her husband. If she states no, which is the general uh, reaction for women who have been raped. Once a woman states that she does not want to engage in sex, and then the husband decides that he is going to take it by force against her will, then that constitutes um, spousal rape. And oftentimes, um, you know, then you know it could be it could be violent because a lot of times the men um, don't care for to be resisted by um, this woman. It's hard to escape this type of rape because you are in um, in a relationship or a marriage or something like that. But with regards to the law, you a woman can refuse to um, have. Um, you know, in of course, and what constitutes it as rape is that she's forced to do it. You know that she's she's saying no, but she is being forced against her own will uh, to to have the sex, and um, that's what and that's against the law. And she can call the police. Or what is the greatest uh, what is the greatest impact that it has on a, uh, a rape victim? Uh, do they lose their self esteem, or do they are they always fearful, or you know just give us some a little tidbits about the impact it has on them? Like we said, you know the highest impact that they are finding is that twenty there are twenty six more times that's the highest one of likely to abuse drugs. Um. And then second to that is 13 times more likely to abuse alcohol. So a lot of drowning out their problems, but we know that depression is um, post-traumatic stress disorder is kind of immediate, somewhat immediate, and then it moves into depression in particular around the time that they, you know, think about their experience. And then to kind of medicate themselves about it, drugs and alcohol uh, becomes a major part of it just to numb themselves from the pain of having, of dealing with or having experience that rape. Um, and again, four times more likely to complete suicide, but 26 more times likely to abuse drugs and 13 more times more likely to abuse alcohol. And again, that is a result of you know, the long-term effects of rape, just having that experience in your life is something you never get over 
uh, I've been having been a victim's advocate. I heard some very in my training and talking to actual rape victims. Some are very very horrifying. Uh, one woman, a man broke into their house, and she had four or five children in the home with her, and to keep him from victimizing the uh, the other younger uh, daughters and whatnot, um, she had she cooperated with her rapist who raped her for hours during the entire ordeal. And um, so she does speak for women on that, and she went to court and she got him, you know, he was incarcerated. But, I mean, you know, it's something that happens to you all the time. In fact, when we're training and you're in training for um, rape victims advocacy training, uh, we often, um, it's not said that we won't allow other rape victims not to become um Volunteers, but it's not highly favorable um, because there is such thing as what we call secondary victimization. So we ourselves, as victims advocate volunteers, have to take care of our own mental health because you tend to be, you know, experience secondary victimization just listening and experiencing vicariously through the rape victim story. So it is very mental and emotionally draining on the on the survivor and oftentimes, you know, long-term on even the advocate. But you just have to definitely keep a, 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 in touch with your feelings and take care of yourself from a mental, emotional standpoint. But because it affects us and so it's traumatizing emotionally and mentally, then women do tend to medicate or numb the pain by abusing alcohol and drugs. Okay. Do you all um, give any spiritual counseling, or um, if if they request, do they have to request it, or how do you handle that part of the uh, counseling phase? Do you send them to uh, regular counselors, or do you send them to spiritual counselors? You know, or secular counselors. How does that work in there? Well, how that works is. Um, oftentimes before, I mean, because, you know, not everybody is a believer in when we're going out. So what we've done in our training and when we approach our victims are to, is to, you know, to find out, even, you know, it's just like um, indirect questioning, you know, you know, when we're asking them things about themselves. I mean, you know, um, you know, you go to church, where do you go to church at? And we kind of get familiar with that. And we find out, they say, I don't go to church, and you kind of know right there that that may not be the situation. But if they say their church or whatever and their affiliation, and then at that point you can offer, well, if you'd like to, you know, for me to pray for you, I'd be more than happy to do that with you. So once we get where we can ask the question around, you know, where they stand on their faith or if there, or if there's such a faith exists, then we do that. If um, you don't share their same faith or if it's not a practice for them to share some of their um, spiritual rituals with other people, then you know, we do ask um, if, you know, if um, they have uh, anyone that they know at the church uh, that they would like to um, speak with. Um, you know, we suggest that they see them, you know, after their experience or calling them. As far as at the um, counseling at the Rape Crisis um, Center, uh, we stick primarily to, you know, just addressing uh, the, the the ramifications of their ordeal and their rape. If they're Christians and if the counselors say or anyone else is a Christian, yeah, we have no problem with, you know, offering to pray with them if they would like and that kind of thing. But we do have to be um, respectful of their beliefs and things like that. Okay. All right, ladies that are listening, uh, would you ha- would anyone like have a question for Carol tonight, Beverly, or our listener at six three three five? I'm I'm here, but this isn't a subject that uh, I'm still comfortable discussing, so I'd rather pass on this tonight. Okay, uh, Janice, do you have a question? Well, I was thinking, um, she was saying that um, men do not report the rape. Are you including the men that are juveniles, you know, that uh, when you're in your calculation and you're averaging out how many men report and don't report, are they including the children, that uh, male children that are being raped, or are you just um, speaking of the adult men who have been raped? 
oftentimes if it's a minor a juvenile or a child, then if they say anything to their parents, then most times that does get reported. Um, but it's just a part of our social um, belief system that, you know, men are men, so adults. If you're a man, you know, you're not to be punked by anybody, and not just in terms of a sexual situation, but just if you're beaten up, you know, it's not something you're going to want people to know. That now, I was you, just you wondering... Know, I was wondering, like, yeah. in your numbers, if they were um, only considering the adults or if it was, you know, like it could be a foster child or it could be, you know, a young, a, a, you know, a five-year-old boy or, you know, eight-year-old young, a young right. boy or, you know. Right. Again, if it's usually a minor, those do come under report. And so it comes under sexual assault or domestic assault or whatever the case may be, any type of attack upon a child is most times reported. Um, And, you know, that's across the board. You know, it doesn't even have to be right. Anytime something happens to a child or a minor, most times that's going to get reported. We have a better chance of having that reported than, say, if he's an adult. Yeah. That's what I I was thinking, because I was thinking if he was, you know, a child, there is no embarrassment in that, you know. And I, I, if you're a man, there's no embarrassment. If somebody violates you, they violate you. But I, I do understand yeah. um, how society would look upon it. But I, I I understand and realize that men can be raped just as much as women by opposite sex and same sex. And um, mm-hmm. do women report when the same sex rapes them? Um, you know, and we don't get very, it, and I can't, you know, that's a good question, because I, I didn't run across anyone where they were raped by other women, but I do believe that um, a lot of women believe that if they're raped by a, a woman, they don't really constitute that the same as rape by a man. And so they'd be most less, they probably more or less likely to report that. So we don't get, while that does happen, that number of report is, remains low because some people don't clearly don't uh uh if they don't understand that rape is anything by force then they just don't think it's rape and the fact that it's not by it was by a female another female she a lot of people think that you actually have to go through penetration per se in order right, for right. it to constitute and so some women a lot of women may not report that that's a good question because I'm thinking rape is any time I say no to any type of sexual, um, any type, anything mm-hmm. that I say no to that you force upon me is a violation mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's in anything. I mean, so to me, if, if a woman is making advances towards me and I say no and she continues or she violates me, then that's rape. Right. And you're exactly right. That's exactly what rape constitutes. Anytime a female says no, and I don't care if she was going along for the ride all the way up until the time she took off her clothes, the moment that she says no, I don't want right. to. That's it. And he if I change my doing, mind, it's right. If I change my mind and you make me, it's right. It's right. A rape or attempted rape. If you didn't say you were trying to. So it's the same yeah. exact thing. So that's exactly what rape constitutes. Um, and do you have you ever dealt with a victim that um, that said he raped me, but it wasn't rape? I mean, have anybody ever um, have you ever had to deal with that circumstance? Yeah, you know what? We definitely had to go over that in our training in terms of false rape because we. You know, the false rape accusations, the cry wolf is what they call it, rape accusations, at one point in time became uh, so prevalent that it really, really messes up the ability to prosecute real rape cases right. when women falsely report. And so the laws have adjusted themselves for any type of false reports you make like that, you can you will be you can you yourself can end up being incarcerated. And so that has deterred that number quite a bit. But there are ways that the police uh police uh uh people are trained to know plus we'll find out that information during our rape kit examination. There are things that that will show up that we look for that would indicate 
that a young woman or man or whatever has been raped. You're not going to get to say that, and there's no physical evidence of right. that type of happening. So, you know, nowadays, um, if a woman is going to make that accusation, you know, it better well better be that, and not to do so because it's such a serious nature of an offense that they don't play games with you when you file that type of, because it's hard enough just trying to prosecute a real rapist um, to, for us to be, for to have it, you know, uh, just, you know, minimalized to the point where, you know, people don't believe us anymore. The cops don't believe us. Even other women don't believe other women when people right, are right. doing crime. You know, so, it's, yeah, we I'm, I'm that one runs right all the way through me because I'm like, you're messing it up for people who really go Everyone. through this. So, exactly. Yeah. Because you're mad. <laughs> you, you know, you're mad at yeah. them or whatever. Now it's rape. And that's why yeah, saying, yeah. there's a lot of people that, that get angry with their spouse, mate, boyfriend, or somebody they want to be their boyfriend who just, right. well, you know, and, well, I'm going to say you raped me. You know, and I'm like, well, that's not right, you know. Right. And that makes it even, like you said, harder for the ones who have been raped to come forward mm-hmm. because then that's when that, what, what, was you, what did you have on? What, you know, what what did you mm-hmm. do? But why would you do that? That makes, you know, because they're being raped again because mm-hmm. someone else lied. That's that's very that is very much true. I mean it it's it's something that I discourage all the time. But again, we'll look at the situation. We I did have a case where it came in the question as to whether uh the uh female was actually uh, raped, and, uh, you know, it was a conversation uh, that was worked on together as a as a team with uh, the SANE nurse, the sexual assault nurse examiner, um, with the police, the story that they gathered, and then with some of the information that I was able to gather from the victim. Uh, so we all kind of get together, and they say to me what they think their suspicions are, the SANE nurse kind of has an idea since the police are asking them about that kind of early on and that they suspect certain things. And But the reality is that we we uh, we take a woman's word at it firsthand. If she says she's been assaulted, we're going to go through whatever we need to go through to, you know, just to make sure that we check and, and to make sure that we've covered her just in case she has. And if she hasn't, you know, that's okay, but we're just going to make sure that she hasn't been violated. Have you ever um, had a case where um, maybe a, a minor's parent insisted that your um, daughter was raped when, when actually it was consensual? You know, where uh, the no. parents that the child had sex, and so, and maybe the the person was um, over the age that you know, legally over the age that they should have been with that minor. Let's just say a a seventeen year old and a twenty year old, or something like that. And the parent is upset that this older person, or the, that the child is dating the older person, and they have sex. Have you had that where the parent is like that? That's rape. She's too young. You know type of thing mm-hmm. she's you know at any point um where it's where the the minor cannot give consensual um you know say yeah I want to have sex with this older person because of their age right that's a very good question the law mandates that if someone of say age 20 was having sex with a 17 year old even if it was consensual it is against the law and so that 20 year old violated the law because the child is not the age of is not at the age of accountability where she can speak and speak for herself. And that and at that age, seventeen and under is an age of where they the state considers still a very impressionable age and that the person who is older, because of their age their age and their experiences have taken advantage of the inexperience of a seventeen and under and so in any situation, even if they're call themselves dating, if their parent finds out and finds out that that person is twenty year old and been sleeping with their seventeen year old uh, consensual or not, she can report to the police and he will be arrested for statutory rape with the minor. Okay. I was wondering about that. Mm-hmm. So that's not a that's that isn't a case that has to be proven by a rape kit per se. Yeah. That's the case yeah. of saying yeah, you had sex, y'all had, you know, she, she said that she had sex and it was consensual, 
but it's against the law for them to have sex. Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And right. would that work the same way with a minor young man and an older adult woman? It 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 would yes it would and as a matter of fact there was a recent case in the news where a the the they, these two young girls played on the same basketball team and one of the young women once she was eighteen years I old I saw that and the young lady was that, fifteen she was fifteen statutory mm-hmm. rape and. The parents are, are cried, you know, they they cried foul on that because they said, oh, they're making a big deal of it because it's same sex. No. It has nothing to do with it. That's the law. Your 18-year-old daughter can't not be sleeping with a 14-year-old child. She's Her experience, wow. Lynn, she has used her age and her experience to influence a minor to do something exactly. that probably the minor is not mature enough to even be thinking about. So, yeah, no, she was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I did see that. I did see that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. well, thank you so much for your questions. I would like, Carol, to go into um, the preventative measures for rape that you, the information that you give the young ladies or the victims uh, on how to prevent these situations. Um, okay. Or it, what you tell them. Um, this is what this, these are the facts. I mean, I tell a lot of women, uh, young women, and women in general that I come across. Uh, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying this is true. Women are looked upon as the weaker sex. We are not built to uh, go up against a man physically, and so men know this too. And so we are preyed upon in this society. Yes, it is our right to have the liberty to walk wherever we want. Men have the right to walk wherever they want to to walk down past dark alleyways. They have the right to be out all hours of the hour of the, of the night. They have the right to do it. How come women can't? So to say that, I'm saying it's not fair, but it is the way that it is. It is the truth. And rape tends to increase during the summertime because women do tend to get out a whole lot more when it's warmer outside. We tend to walk later in the hours or run or whatever the case may be. We tend to make that extra trip to the store in the evening time or stay out because daylight saving time kicks in and we're out and about, you know, we're running our everything, we're doing the things that we do. And we feel a whole lot more comfortable uh, because, of you know, the weather change. Well, this is the thing. The rapists know it too, and because women are a lot more are a lot more active outside during the summer months, then rape tends to increase. Our young girls are outside playing a lot more with their friends and bike riding, and you know camping, you know doing all the things that they do. A rapist has an agenda. They're not. You know, they may have this thing with wanting to, you know, dominate and have this power thing over the female that they attack, but they look for opportunity. And so what women have to do is we have to take that opportunity away from uh, men and would-be attackers. So some of the things that I always suggest to women is, you know, don't sit in your car in the malls or any parking lot, you know, talking on your phone or doing things of that nature. Don't... um, uh, I ask women, don't park next to vans of any kind. I don't care how family-friendly it looks. I tell women, don't park next to vans. It's it's all too easy for them to slide that door open and pull you in and slide it shut, and that's done. So don't um, do that. We ask women that if you are captured by your attacker, fight back. Fight back with everything you do, even if you say don't survive it. You scratch and you bite and you pull whatever DNA evidence off that attacker that you possibly can so that it's collected. Say even if he lets you go, you have all of that under your nails, you have it. If you've bitten him, if he, in some cases where women were made to um, um, do uh, oral sex, they, we, we collect that. Uh, uh, we do uh, examine the mouth for things. So I tell women to fight back. Uh, oftentimes it's about power. And if you if he realizes that he has a struggle with taking power, power over 
empowering you, then that messes it up for him. The thing that turns him on is to be able to, to overpower a woman and take that power away from her and have that power over her. But if you fight back and you give him a run for his money, then it's sort of a turn off for a rapist mentally. So that's the thing that he can't really get with. Um, yell and scream. If practice yelling and screaming. I keep a whistle in my car. Keep a whistle with you if you need to and, and have it with you. I also carry mace. Mace is available in sporting goods stores. Say Academy has it in all kinds of ways you want it. And they even have the kind that not only we pepper spray, when you spray him, that it will blind him and burn him to death, but it will also leave a glow-in-the-dark residue over his face. So in that if he goes out the next night prowling for another victim, he's going to be glowing in the dark. I don't know if he's going to realize He's going in the dark, but he's going to be going in the dark. And if he does realize he's going in the dark, we're going to shut him down for a few days until that stuff wears off. I tell women to, you know, um, be aware of where your young women are before you allow them to sleep over because a lot of our rapes happen with acquaintances. Again, um, most of the young ladies that I um, went out to see were, you know, date rapes is bad. The, the date rape drug is a real Real highly used. Actually, the rapes increase with date rape drug um, during the summer uh, when women want to go out uh, with their girlfriends or with their friends. If you set your drink down and walk away, you're done with that drink. Um, you don't go back to that drink. You don't take your eyes off uh, your drink. You don't let someone go and get you a drink. And in fact, I go so far as to say. Come to your party with your drink in your hand. That way nobody has to go get anything for you. But the date rate drug or the predator drug is a drug that goes into your system, and it will... um, It is a drug that is, you know, sedative. It knocks you out. It, um, it, it, It renders you um, out for a minute, and... People will, um, the the perpetrator will then at that point, um, it's tasteless, it's odorless, you can't pick up on it in your drink, it can be consumed in anything, food and drink and alcohol, and you are out of it. And I have had the women to wake up with a person uh, having sex with them right in the middle of it. And these are usually people who they knew. One of my young women, she was going to school with him, and they were just classmates. And, uh, you know, they it's just, you know, we just go hang out and, you know, after school and have a drink. And he did that, um, and she trusted him. They're usually people, uh, you know, that they they trust. And, um so these are the people that will drug your and lace your drink with, you know, what they call, it's actually called a GHB, gamma hydroxybutyric acid. And uh, oftentimes um, it's a, it, it's a, it can put, it could put down, you know, certain small animals. So it's a very um, powerful drug. When you wake up, the, the, the problem with GHB is that when you wake up it, over a 24-hour period, that GHB cannot even be found in your system. So it, it there's no trace of it left in your system afterwards. So that's what makes it hard on um, rape victims to say, I was raped, he drugged me, when they won't find the GHB in your system, you know, within a 24-hour period. Um, it takes effect in about 15 to 30 minutes. So what will happen is, and it will last anywhere from three to six hours. So that's a long time to be under the effect of GHB. Um, it, you know, it, it does a lot of things. It slows your heart rate, you know, your blood circulation. It does a lot of things. You, you're, you're dizzy, um, you know. And so you have to be careful that you don't allow um, your people to go get food and drink for you. You go at least be there with them. Keep your eye on anything that you're going to ingest. Just don't let anybody do that. And unfortunately, I do mean anybody. Um, I, for one, I tell people this, I mean, just to be safe, 
um, be careful when letting daughters or sons uh, spend do the sleepovers. Um, you got to know and trust who uh, you're uh, dealing with because a lot of times it'll be an extra relative in the house that may be a perpetrator, and they don't in their house the their relatives their family may not even know that they have that problem. Um, one woman she was allowing her uncle who had just moved into the area. She was helping him out to have a place to stay until he could find a job and get on his feet. And she gets up out of her bed one night and something told her to go look in her daughter's room. And she goes in there and sure enough, there's her uncle. When she walks in, he pretends that he's looking for something under the bed. And she, as all mothers do, you get this funny feeling that something ain't right here. And she says, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm looking for something that I lost. I think I love him. But what reason would you have lost something in the baby's room? And so she pulled the baby's, um, uh, her blanket back, and her little panties were down by her ankles. So he had, hadn't quite got into it, but he was beginning to, you know, the very early stages of doing that. Um, so, and then when she pulled those back, he ran. Cops caught him, of course, but he ran. Now, again, so be careful who we allow our children to go and have sleepovers with, unless you really know and you be aware of who all, who's all in the house and who's going to be there. Me personally, I don't allow my niece and nephews to do sleepovers. I will allow people to come to my house because I know what's going on over here and I know who's here. Plus, I'm pretty much up all night making sure I know who's what, where, and when. So, um, that's another thing that I suggest. Again, the date rate judge is very common. Um, young men out there listening or mothers who have young men, please note that if your son is at a party and there's a young lady and she becomes intoxicated because she decided she's going to drink too much, she drink way too much, and they get the idea that they're going to, even if she suggested, hey, you know, I'll sleep with you, I'll sleep with him, I'll sleep with and you sleep with her and she's intoxicated, then you have just become a rapist. And so you cannot uh, sleep with or you should not sleep with someone who is intoxicated because they do not have the faculties to make the right decision about whether or not they want to sleep with someone or not. And if you decide that you're going to sleep with that person under the influence of alcohol or any other type of drug that doesn't allow them to make a conscious decision about what they're about to do, and then they wake up and they, and they know they've been violated and they report you, then you're going to be um, going down for a rape charge, and it's very serious to be registered as a sex offender for the rest of your lives. I tell women to it, – it, it, it's not about what you wear, per se. Um, uh, it does help to cover ourselves, but it doesn't – a rapist will rape women with a troll neck on. Don't get on the elevators by yourself late at night, and you get on and there's a man there, you know, act like you forgot something.
So it's important to fight back with whatever you can and never allow them to win that battle at least. And so stay in clear places, travel with friends, stay in well-lit areas. You know, uh, if you're going to don't let anyone get you a drink, uh, go with them. Uh, so that you see whoever prepares the drink, they hand it right to you. If you go to the bathroom, don't leave your drink sitting there. If you leave that drink while you walk away from your date or from your uh, friends or whatever, if you have a girlfriend there who can keep an eye on your drink, then make sure she's going to keep an eye on your drink. Otherwise, when you come back, leave that drink alone. Get yourself another one. Or, or, or like I said, if you go to just a casual party, you know, bring your own little cup with your drink and your beverage in it and, you know, have that in that way. Um, and, again, be careful who you go out with and make sure you kind of know a little bit about uh, who we are going out on a date with or who's over someone's house that, you know, um, may have um, a sketchy background and you never know what their intentions are. Uh, There is a thing that women have that's built in that God gave us, and that is, you know, that that woman's intuition. If it doesn't feel right, then it's probably not right. Go with your gut. Listen to your first mind. If it's if it don't sit well in your spirit, something about this just ain't right. Then right. that's what that is. Get your purse, okay. honey. Get yourself gone. Move around. <laughs> well, all right, Carol. We thank you so much for the information that you have provided us tonight on the rape cash crisis and prevention. Uh, do you have the national um, hotline number that you can leave our listeners with, or? Um, can you tell us what website we could go to to find out, or um, do you have any information uh, pertaining to how to get in touch if you are raped? Who you get in touch with with that 911? Usually, let me see if I can find one for the nationwide rape crisis. On most, most times they're done um, on a on a um, on a um, state by state basis, but there is a national yeah. sexual Hotline and it's called one eight hundred six five six hope and um, that is a national rape crisis hotline and that is it has over eleven hundred trained volunteers on duty to help uh, survivors of rape Um, and again there are teen crisis hotlines. or 24-hour crisis hotline of any kind that you can call and um, be more than happy. They'll be more than happy to speak with you. The National Rape Crisis Hotline is a, a, a hotline that is actually sponsored by, um, if anyone wants any more information with regards to um, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National uh, Network. And okay. the other is there a number? Uh, it, will that number work for people who would like to volunteer or get training in uh, to work in one of the rape crisis centers here in Texas? Okay. Uh, can, can they use that number? They sure can. You can call uh, that number. Uh, well, not the hotline number. We usually leave the hotline number available for just victims who need uh, whatever help that they can get. But with regards to um, volunteering and getting involved, they can go online and Google for their the rape crisis um, uh, center because everyone has them. Plano has it. Dallas has it. Everyone has a rape crisis center that the state sponsors. And in addition to that, or you can go to the RAIN um Website that's www. dot org, and it is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It is the nation's largest okay. anti-sexual organization. And if you go there, it'll tell you volunteer for Rain, and they have everything that you might need in terms to find out how to volunteer, maybe in your area. Okay, well, thank you so much for that information. We are down to our minute. (laughs) This has been a very enlightening and informative conversation tonight. We thank you all for listening to uh, um, 
my sister, my friend tonight. We thank you, Carol, for being a guest. We thank you, Janice, for your questions and your input. Beverly, we thank you for listening in tonight. We thank your listeners for just listening. If you didn't have a question or if you didn't call us tonight, you can always, if you have a problem or a rape crisis situation, you can call the National Rape Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE or you can go to uh, org to find out any other information that you might want to on this subject. Again, thank you. We are going to close uh, with a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you tonight for this special conversation we had tonight to help our sisters, those who have been victims, those who may be victims, those who need to protect themselves from this ordeal, God. Father, we ask that you protect them anyway. We ask that you protect the listeners tonight from any of these situations of rape or just being just intimidated by the fact that they could be raped. We ask them to uh, take heed to what we, the information that we provided to them tonight to protect themselves during these summer months. We ask that you continue to walk with them and talk with them and give them what, they're, what they need, Father. Father, we just thank you for the information that you have provided to us tonight. We just thank you for the listeners. We thank you for the panel. We thank you for the people who have participated in this conversation tonight. God, would you be with each of us? Would you give us what we need? Would you give us the strength and the courage to continue on through our lives daily and be a blessing to bless somebody else? God, thank you for the opportunity. We pray these blessings in your son Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, ladies. Uh, we will talk Amen. later. Carl, I'll call you. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah, and y'all okay. forgive me for yelling at you, but you've got me. <laughs> but thank you, ladies. Okay. And before, before, All right. Yeah, everyone out there listening, report or call the number for any help, even if it happened years ago.